ladies, and welcome back to another episode of Celebrate You, the podcast on personal development, money, and entrepreneurship for the millennial woman. So this week, we've got a very interesting woman in the show. We've got Nadia Edwards-Tashti, who she is the co-founder and chief customer officer of the Harrington Star Group. She is also, well, I consider her, I don't know if she considers herself, but I consider her a thought leader and an activist in the diversity and inclusion in the workplace um, agenda. So Nadia, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. And that is such a wonderful introduction. And I love that you see me as an activist because I am very active yes, in the, the DEI space. And, you know, it's it's something that, that pumps through my veins. And, you know, so many businesses out there say, oh, yes, it should be the DNA of our business. Okay, let's make it the DNA of your business and let's work out how we do that. So I really love that introduction. But also, don't forget, we've got a man with us today as well, yeah, yeah, albeit yeah. a very, very tiny man. So everyone listening, if um, he makes some noise, uh, we can't control him because he's only eight weeks old. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Exactly. You're also a mother of two beautiful children. Yeah. And, and yeah, you managed to do all this work with the children. But it's like, that's part of diversity and inclusion as well, like motherhood. A hundred percent. And I think that actually over the past couple of years with the lockdowns, and I know the lockdowns are, have been such a challenge, are such a challenge for people worldwide. But I really do believe that when people started saying it's leveled the playing field, I do feel that people started to understand colleagues, different members of staff, your peer group, your bosses, they started to understand what home life is like as, as a parent, as a mother. Um, and I think that on the one hand, there are many, many industries where women were treated and, and are still treated terribly because of lockdowns, because of this, this um, sort of caring in the home. But I do think within the FinTech space, there has been a raising of awareness. And I personally have been able to bring both of my babies to podcasts such as this to meetings um to big pitches and it's um it's not something that I I felt that I couldn't do I felt I could do it and if it hadn't been for the pandemic I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do the work I wanted to do so I, I don't want to say the pandemic's been you know great for motherhood it definitely hasn't there are billions of women worldwide who have who have had a very very difficult time and continue to do so but I do think there are some industries that are starting to open their eyes to the potential of including everybody. And when we do that, we become a stronger business and we become a stronger team and stronger people. Exactly. So. exactly. Well, that's a beautiful introduction to the, <laughs> to the podcast as such. So <laughs> let's start with, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into diversity and inclusion. Um, so I've been in recruitment now for 18 years. Um, it's something that I fell into. And when I first started in recruitment, I was what, 20, 21 years of age. I just finished my second degree at UCL. Um, you know, I was bright eyed, bushy tailed in the city of London, yeah. ready to take on the world. And very quickly, I saw injustices, um, especially mm. with regards to 
gender, race and age. Um, and, you know, I was placing technology staff into the financial services sector. So as you can see now, me being so prominent within fintech, it kind of makes sense. But, you know, back then, if I ever raised my hand to say that there's a problem here, why can't I represent a female for this technology role if I'd found ah. one, you know? Like, if I ever raised my hand to say I'm concerned about this, I was told that that's, that's not important. That's not how you're gonna make money. That's not how you're gonna do business, carry on. Um, and you know, I could give you a million stories of injustices that I witnessed. Wow. I realized I had to keep my head down, understand my craft, understand what recruitment was. And wonderfully, by the time we get to 2010, I was able to leave the organizations that I'd worked for and start up Harrington Star with our brilliant CEO, Toby Babb and James Hounslow, uh, one of the other co-founders. And we sat down and we said, what do we each care about? And we all cared about different things, but essentially we wanted to make the industry a better place. And my angle was talking about diversity and inclusion before the words diversity and inclusion were acceptable words, you know, because this was 2010, it was just after the recession people didn't care about, they just wanted jobs. They didn't care about men, women, no. race, ethnicity, um, neurodiversity. Oof. These were not concepts that people thought about, but me being a woman in business, it was in my face the whole time because I was constantly aware that, why is it me always that has a different opinion? Why is it me saying, sorry, everyone, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Different, you know, different perspectives. It's tiring, you know. So I, I, I was very aware of this. So I was very lucky as well that I was able to be part of the founding team of Harrington Star. And as we've grown this recruitment agency, um, I have been able to talk more and more about real, authentic diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I've been able to speak to my CEO and say, look, this is an area that the whole industry needs. And if we are going to be fantastic recruiters, we cannot just look at that one candidate for that one job. In fact, we need to change this industry for forever. Inside. And yeah, from the inside, exactly. And we need to change who we are. We need to change the perception of who we are. And when companies now ask me, oh, can you find us women? I'm like, yeah, of course we can, but hold on. It's not about can you find us women. It's about, is your company attractive to women? Is the culture good for them? Yes. Is the culture good? Do you have an environment that is inclusive? Are you psychologically safe? Mm -hmm. do you, how do you promote people? Do you think about retaining people when someone leaves? Do you ask them, what, was, what were the real problems that we had? These are the big questions. And as far as I'm concerned, even though everyone thinks recruitment is bringing someone into a company, I am obsessed with making sure that they stay in that company. And therefore, DE&I is central to recruitment. It's central to the fintech sector. It's central to any sector. If you want to be a successful workplace, if we want to be successful as a society we need to be aware of these themes so you can see this is how it all came about um yeah it's very personal to me um and something that i'm incredibly passionate about i can i can hear the passion and then you also have a podcast so we can we see the passion every week as well <laughs> yeah, absolutely awesome and then 
Exactly. You are very active in social media and panels here, the other, and you have this concept of walking the walk, the talk. Walking the talk. Walking yes. the talk. What do yeah. you mean with that? Yeah, I'm really glad you've asked that because I want to raise a bit more awareness to this phrase that I've become obsessed with. So I think a lot of people um, now talk about authentic inclusion. They talk about the need for diversity. Most businesses within the fintech space, which is the area that I focus on, um, will have an agenda point in their strategic summary that will include DE&I because they think they have to or they know they have to. And, you know, realistically for me, walking the talk is not the theory. It's not just talking about it. It's not just having it in an agenda. It's let's make this happen every single day. Let's walk that theory. Let's have action rather than just words. And so, you know, in my podcast, I always say, right, what's your call to action? What have you seen that's been good that other people can repeat? What do you think that we all should be doing more of? Um, and I think that this concept of walking the talk, the more people that we can have feeling, right, what can I do? Yeah. The more change happens because it's in all of us. And I think the biggest problem that I had at the beginning of my career is because I was junior and because I was a woman, I felt I couldn't walk the talk. I mm -hmm. felt that I could go and have a drink on a Friday night and talk and talk and talk about the injustice. But what am I anything about it? What am I doing about it? Exactly. Yeah. And this is something that's really driven me now in, in my later career, because I just think that was 10 years of me moaning. And I want I want the next 10 years to be well. these these last have been action. I want the next 10 years to be action. I want to walk the talk every day of my career now. And I want everyone else to feel they can too. However junior, however senior, whatever position they're Man, in. Man, woman, like, absolutely. doesn't matter. Everybody. Yes. Now that I say man, what is your take on men supporting women within organizations? Um, it's I, key, but um, <laughs> like, I'm very keen to hear what you say. Yeah, I completely agree. It's absolutely key. So um, there's been uh, a number of books recently published um, about the allies. Um, yeah. And um, if anyone's watching this, I've just done, you know, those uh, th those two things. Like, are, are you really an ally um, or do you just call yourself an ally? And I think men genuinely supporting the, the cause, whether it's the gender imbalance, whether it's inclusion as a whole. And actually, I think it's more people who don't see it as their problem. I think we need the support of those people, because once they open their eyes and see, actually, this isn't everybody problem. People in privilege right now need to understand that there are people who are not in privileged positions and we won't threaten those who are who are currently in privilege. In fact, we will all be stronger off the back of it and we will have more sustainable businesses and careers off the back of it. So this genuine need for um, authentic allies, I think, is absolutely key. But I do believe it is rooted in not feeling um, attacked. Um, not feeling that anyone's in the wrong, but instead being all encompassing and bringing everybody into the conversation. And just because someone disagrees does not mean that we're having a, a fight or an argument. It's a healthy debate. Yeah. Um, and I think- Different points of view. Absolutely. If we can take the aggression out of it. And 
rather than listening to someone's different point of view to combat it and persuade them why they're wrong, instead, I think we need to listen to learn. Yeah, we like curious and we're like, aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Like, wow, let me learn about where what your perception of this is, where you're coming from. So I think the having allies is absolutely key. But you know, and I and I agree when you say men as allies, and I think it's very easy when we're talking about the gender imbalance, we need we need men being um being an ally to the female the female problem of the imbalance especially within technology but we also talk about this from a much wider perspective and there are people in privilege who need to identify their privilege and use that to help those that aren't yes i love that because it's like people in privilege because diversity is not men women it mm. is exactly gender it is uh, race it is thought like different ideologies it, it's like sexual orientation there's like Absolutely. so many things that come with diversity and yeah. even in all of those there's like people in privilege you can be many people focus on the white male british investment banker for example yeah it can be a she is a white british woman investment yeah. banker from a wealthy family so yeah. <laughs> she just didn't pick yeah. one box that it's the gender and she's also in a position of privilege and she can help many many other people yeah yeah a hundred percent and I think that if we all also all of us identify the privilege we have so yes. I'm I very much am aware that I have worked within my industry for 18 years so I've worked my way up to have a privilege that when I speak I know people are going to listen 18 years ago I didn't feel that therefore I didn't have the confidence therefore I didn't didn't do as much as I could do so I talk a lot about responsibility identifying who you are what you bring to something and saying you have a responsibility to make change happen for for those people that don't feel that they have the confidence it's opening the door and giving others opportunity um, and standing up for what isn't right and I think that there's a big responsibility for for people who would like to be an ally or people who should be allies to this and that is you know when injustices happen however small we have to we have to learn as a society to feel confident to say hey that's not not okay that's not okay that's not acceptable and when the usual retort is oh it's only a joke can't you take a joke Oh, oh we didn't mean it like that oh you're being too sensitive whatever it may be, we have to be much better at, at being able to say, oh, hands up, I, I definitely didn't mean it that way. I'm so sorry, let me learn from what I've said. Or as an ally saying, no, you need to listen, that that, that could be very offensive to somebody. You mm-hmm. need to backtrack your remarks. And I think that it's, um, it's actually the day in, day out, little things like this that we all need to work on and we all have a responsibility to work on. Yes. Um, yes. Because we can talk so much about policies that need to be changed, changed, gender pay gaps that need to be reviewed, you know, the, the big, the big tasks. And yes, it is a lot about the big tasks. But all these policies do not become procedure unless we do these smaller tasks that day, happen every day. single day. Yes. And they happen a million times a day, and we have to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. And I think if we get the the um the smaller steps correct the bigger steps will actually be implemented exactly you make me think of something now that you said privilege and responsibility 
So it doesn't matter because we think diversity as exactly those categories, gender, uh, background, and all those things, race. But there is responsibility and privilege. They can come in different ways. So for example, one of my mentors recently, I told him, oh yeah, we raised this amount of money, you know, in the FinTech, blah, 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 very happy. And I said, thank you so much for all the support that you gave me while I worked with you guys. And his response was along the lines of, I'm very glad that you appreciated that gift. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, like, now it's time for you to pass on the gift. So I've never, like, especially when I lived in the UK, like, I've never seen myself as a privileged woman in the UK. On the contrary, like, I moved from Mexico, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. I worked my way up. But now, today, like you said, like X number of years later, 15 years later, I may not have that background, but what I did have was amazing mentors that nurtured me and believed in me and gave me the confidence and the education and the tools and the support, the emotional support at work yeah. to then grow. And that is something that I can, I, I feel the responsibility yeah, 100%. To, to help the other women and young men yeah. with that, with mentoring and guide them and emotional support, like all of that. Privilege is not necessarily a position of power or money or race or gender. It's knowledge and experience too. Yeah. Yes. And, and how you perceive to, to, to see that. So, so I think what, what that is, is the pay it forward concept, mm -hmm. which we've spoken about before. And I love the yeah. pay it forward concept because it then, it then makes you feel empowered yourself by empowering others. And I think that this is what we really need to be encouraging people to do um, because most people wouldn't class themselves as privileged. Um, oh. So I, I've spoken a lot about let's choose to be powerful. Um, and this is not from me, this is somebody else that said this, but um, a wonderful woman who is the head of testing at a company called Cash Plus, her name is Hena Ashraf. In a podcast with me, she said in her life, she could choose to be pitiful or she could choose to be powerful. And she said, yeah. I chose powerful. And I think that we all need to choose powerful. And so what is powerful about me and can I pass that on? So that's why I love what you said. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. That's very beautiful as well. Like we choose to be powerful. We don't need to be privileged in the in the traditional definition of the word. Like we all we all have. I'm assuming if if we are watching this in social media, listening to this, we all have a roof and a phone and internet, and then we are privileged because there's people who don't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if there's something that we learn, sharing that learn, sharing that experience is so, so important. Yes. Um, and I think that's part of privilege. I think it's part of it, what we have to do is sort of redefine some of these terms, because when you hear the word privilege, we do, myself included, associate that with an older white gentleman. Yes who hasn't had to try hard at much in life, which yes. is unfair because there are, there are millions of older white gentlemen who've had to work incredibly hard to get into yes. the positions they've been in, who have loads of experience um, and loads of lessons and learns that they can share. And it's not about, um, not about overlooking that, it's about 
I think the best way of saying it is inclusion is about including everybody. And we must choose to be powerful to pass on our power, the, power, the, the different powers that we have and redefine this, this word and term privilege. Privilege isn't over there. Let's make it all of us. Yeah, we are all, yeah, except because that changes the conversation altogether. Because if I then say I am privileged and then basically raise awareness in others that each of us are privileged, then it's a matter of saying, how am I privileged? Yeah. And how can I help others? Exactly. And then we will not be as privileged as I am. Yeah, a hundred percent. Rather than being a victim and say, oh, I'm not from a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate that victim. I, you know, I, I, I want us all to, in, in the challenges that we face and the difficulties that we've had, that we've all had, that we all continue yeah. to have, let's choose powerful in our response to that and let's raise awareness. Um, you know, I often talk about when, when there's a problem, reframe how we look at that problem rather than, as you say, you know, be the victim and what I used to do, go and have a glass of wine and moan about it. Now I'm like, great, another problem. This is a wonderful opportunity for me to really show how much I've improved at educating people around me that this problem shouldn't be repeated. Um, and I may not get it right, but I'm going to give it a go. And when you reframe it in your mind, you do become more powerful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's about, like you said, reframing it. Good. Okay. So moving on, you have something that I find very unique in the recruitment industry. You have two concepts, one that it's the 17% list. And then the other one, I've heard you in other uh, panels that you've talked about. When you have a candidate, instead of just waiting for her to fit a role, you say, hey, management team, I've got this amazing candidate, and then they create a role for her. Yeah, role creation. That, that is like, that is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most it's of so cool. Super cool. Yeah, like really, really cool. And it's working. So this is completely new within the recruitment space. Um, but when I had my first baby, um, this was April of 2020, um, she was this tiny, beautiful little girl. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, if you want to become a technologist in 20 years time, is it going to be the same as what it is now? Because I had read only that week when, I, when I'd given birth, I'd read that there are only, in the UK today, there are only 17% of all technology roles made up of women. So that figure is terrible as it is. But what's worse is that that figure has stayed the same for the past eight years in the UK. Oh. Uh, yes, it's, we're not changing anything. So despite all this talking, nothing is changing. So we're losing women at the same rate as we're gaining them into the industry. Why can't we retain women? Because our environments aren't good enough, because we're not having the right conversations. Everything that we spoke about earlier. Yeah. So... One of the big challenges that I face as a recruiter is people always say, oh, can you attract women? Yes, I can. But actually, I don't want to unless you are an environment that I can genuinely feel proud to introduce somebody to and genuinely feel like they can grow there and that this will be a great career move for them. Yeah. You know, like it's so important that you think about this long term. So I created the 17% list because 
at that point last year, I'd interviewed over 100 women for my Women of Fintech podcast series, yeah. of which you were one. Um, and over, over all of those, um, I counted at the time that more than three quarters at some point in their career, a role had been created for them. They'd never done the application. In fact, someone had reached out to them and gone, hey, there's a role here that I think could be right for you. Or someone had said, I know this woman, she's really amazing. Why don't we try and create something for her? So I thought, let's make this a bit more official. If, if three quarters of the women who are the senior women in the fintech space that I'm speaking to have had roles created for them and they seem to have made it, they've got into the senior echelons, why aren't we doing that for everybody? Um, now, you couple this with the problem that we have in technology worldwide and in fintech, that technologists are not staying in their roles as long as they used to. Mm. They join a company and they leave within a year. This is a real, this is, that is the, fast. yeah, this is technology's own pandemic because how can someone learn if they're only on a project for less than a year? How can they become the best that they can be if they're jumping from one opportunity to another? We need to be better as, as environments and industries. So I put all this together in my mind and I thought, let's start signing up companies that are willing to allow change to drive their recruitment process. So you know as well as I do, and your listeners will know, in FinTech, everything's about change. It's yeah. all about being agile and, <laughs> and challenging the status quo and why do we do things the way we do it. Yeah. So why have we never changed the way we recruit? We have kept it the same. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I said, let's make a change. Rather than me going to people and saying, here's a job description, do you like the job? Instead, I'm going to come to you and say, this is a wonderful person. This is her skill set. This is what she ideally wants. Can you create that for her? And that's essentially the concept of it. And we've had so much success. I've had 62 roles created out of this and 29 wow. placements now. So these are things that would never have happened before. Nice. You're disrupting the recruitment industry properly, which is super cool. Oh, I've never, I've never seen it as disruption of the recruitment industry, yeah, but you're right. right. Yeah, yeah because like, you're right. Usually you see, exactly, recruiters approached you, here's the job description, blah, 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 blah. Or you see something in LinkedIn, here's the job description, and you go like, okay, 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 rather yeah. than seeing it on the other side. I am this person with these skill sets. Ideally, I want these. I can help you with problems. I've got da, 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 da. Yeah. And you seem interesting. Is there a match? Yeah, exactly. What can we create together? So the first stage interviews, they are not, so can you do this, 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 and this? Instead, it's tell me about yourself. What do you want to do for a business? It's a whole different conversation. And we have all read it a thousand times that men are more likely to apply to roles where yes. they can do 5% of the skill set, whereas yeah. women need to be able to do 100%. So if that's the problem, let's just get rid of that. Let's erase that from everything. And let's talk about what it is that people want to do, what's going to keep them motivated, and what's okay. going to keep them engaged. Because this, this, this theory of engagement within, within the industry, I think is absolutely key, because I believe if someone loves their job, if they are truly engaged, if they feel that they are learning every single day, They're the first one logging in. 
they're the ones thinking about it at the park with their children at the weekend. They'll come up with an idea and message their boss and go, wow, I've just thought of this. Let's talk about it on Monday. That's a, that's, that's a great, that's a wonderful way of working. Rather than people that are unhappy, they're not, they don't like the environment, they can't share ideas. It's so important that if we really want um, our businesses and our workplaces to be the best that they can be, we have to help people become the best that they can be and create that environment where they, where they feel free to be. So there's a lot of work to do, but I, these are my, the, this is the work that I've been doing. Yes, oh, that's amazing. And then I'm like, you're leading it to a beautiful kind of transition question that is like, yes, there's a lot of work to do. What can we do, practically speaking? Like if, I, if I'm one of the listeners, yeah. So what can I do? Yeah, there's loads that we can do. I think that number one, um, be vigilant yourself. Um, and I think one of the, the biggest problems is just what's accepted in a workplace at the moment the jokes, the comments, the injustices that you see, we've got to start realizing that if all of us stand up and say no, actually it's the minority that are driving that. And it's the minority that will learn very quickly, we mustn't behave like that. Yes. So I think that's a really, really easy one. And it doesn't need to be offensive or aggressive. It could be, hey, I don't find that funny. So I'll give you an exact example. Um, many years ago, I used to have to say a lot, hey, we're salespeople, you should know your audience. Why would I think that was funny? Let's just rewind your joke. I don't find that funny, I'm, I'm not laughing. And I wouldn't say it aggressively, I'd go, go on, tell me a joke that I am gonna laugh at. It can't be one against women because I'm a woman, I'm not gonna like it. You know, and I'd, I'd try, you know, I myself would keep it jovial, but the point was taken. And very soon, I've never ever, no, I don't want to say never ever because it still crops up, but people, the first step was people realized I can't say that in front of her. Second step, I can't say that in front of them because there's more people saying that's not funny. Third step, that's not funny. I'm not going to say it. Stop saying it. You know? And I think that this is so, so important for changing an environment that we all have to be active at pushing that through. So that's a really nice, easy one because everyone can do it. Doesn't matter how junior, senior, whatever. Another thing is I think that we have to start feeling confident enough to have the conversation with our bosses about information about the business. What, what is the promotion criteria within our business? Um, what, how do we look at how people are promoted? What is our current gender pay gap? Even if you don't get the results of each of these answers, the fact that you are asking will make someone think, someone in power, they will yeah. think and go, wait a second, I do need to do right by this. I do yes. need to have action. And I think that those two are very important. Yes, and that's a very good point. Like I mentor a few uh, ladies in FinTech and they ask me, it's like, how do I go about, you know, like getting a promotion, this, the other. And I ask them, what's the policy? <laughs> yeah. And there is not a policy. And I think one of the challenges that we have in fintechs or just the startup tech startup environment is because it is a startup, they haven't, or we, we haven't kind of like created those policies at the beginning. It's more of a, oh, we'll figure it out. At the yeah. at some point, I'll figure it out. But that point is not uh, soon enough, A, yeah. and then B, 
it's until the company has grown a lot that you're like, oh, okay, cool. We need to think about that rather than embedding that in the DNA of the company since the very yeah. beginning. This is my DNA. This is how I'm going to grow people. I know that people are motivated by growth, basically. Yeah, the ladder, then it's like, or not the ladder, like the path. Because sometimes the growth is not like just the ladder. People want to yeah. move from one team to the other. But if all that exists since the beginning, it's much the stages, it's much easier. But it's I've, much easier. Yes, I've spoken with countless women in fintech that they ask me the same question. And I, when I ask them, what's the policy there? Like, there's none. And that's the most yeah. frustrating thing because then it's very subjective. It's subjective, it's gut feel, and it's when someone asks. So yeah. this is one of the big problems that I deal with. It's um, to do with self-promotion. So there are some personality types which are often attributed within the male gender, which is where self-promotion is really easy. I've done this, I did all of it. I think I should be promoted and I should get a pay rise. I, I'm Me personally, I'm terrible at telling you what I've done well. I, I, I can't ask for pay rise. Don't make me ask. I'll be sick. You know, this is my, and, and I'm saying this out loud because I know a lot of people will relate to me on this, but the advice that I give and I give myself is let's, let's advocate for others. Let's, let's open everybody's eyes for others. So next time you see somebody overlooked, it's up to you to say, how, how, how was it that that woman wasn't part of the promotion um, the promotion committee. Why was she not? Why was she not considered? What What did you look at when you decided to promote that man? And the thing is, as you say, in fintechs there isn't the policy. So what happens is whoever says I'm due promotion, they get promoted. And that's that's very generalist. I'm I'm saying that very generally. But actually, if we start having conversations and say what's the promotion criteria, it gets people thinking. And if we start advocating for ourselves as well as others, what do I need to do to get promoted? And if we can be ahead of this, so it's before the fact rather than after the fact when someone's just been, we can say, what, what do you need from me? I want to be the best I can be within this business. And part of that would be a reflection in my job title. What do I need to do? Because I'm willing to do that. Also, I do think that that individual over there has been doing all those things for a long time. Why haven't they been promoted out of interest? Again, not aggressive, just let's have the conversation. So I think that um, from a, a macro level, all of us need to work with, within the industry to, ident to open people's eyes, to identify the connection between success of a business and inclusion. But this is, that's a big, big thing. That to me is like the, the foundation. Then there's these other things. So, you know, um, paternity and maternity policies, gender pay gap, um, education around unconscious bias, but also just everyone saying, hey, that's not funny. These are the things that make the, make the differences. But this whole piece on promotion and, and people being given credit, the correct person being given credit for an idea or piece of work is incredibly important. So next time you're in a meeting and everyone says, well done, Bob, Bob did brilliant. And you're like, wait a second, that was money that came up with that idea. You say, oh, and money, because she said this, that, and the other, if you all remember. Oh, we do, yes, well done, money. Because actually a lot of these things aren't done with malice, but that's the most frustrating thing. We need to be allies to, all, all of us need to be allies to one another. 
yeah. and really speak up for the injustices. Yeah. So I know I've given lots of different things, but I think we can all be active. Yes, exactly. And then I liked, like, just to summarize what you said, I like two of the topics of, of the recommendations. One is if we can do a change of mindset that says the success of the business is basically heavily reliant on a diverse team and diverse again it's not just gender it's so many things yeah that is like powerful because the management team starts thinking in a different way what does diversity mean in our business what how do we leverage that strength to make a successful business yeah Yeah. and the very last point about each other being allies, I think it changes the conversation altogether. It's not about diversity and inclusion. It changes it more into culture and just being kind of humans at work instead. Yeah. And, and being allies in the sense of raising the voice when you see an injustice. So it's yeah. allies against injustices. It's not a, it's not a diversity and inclusion topic anymore. It's let's be kind of humans. <laughs> yeah. Let's not have injustices because it's 2021. <laughs> it's yeah, not exactly. Not oh, well, 300 years ago. Well. Come on. Exactly. It's not about who's going to win by crushing somebody else. We will win together by supporting somebody else. Exactly. I think that's exactly. the important thing. Exactly. Oh, it's been such a beautiful episode. I've even lost track of time. Uh, <laughs> it's like and the baby's gone to sleep he's yeah, done oh, brilliant. oh he's been, it's like good good, yeah. good good awesome so what how would you close what could you give us final remarks for everyone listening um i think it's back to henna ashraf when she said i could choose to be pitiful or be powerful and i chose powerful choose powerful decide that what what is it that i can give to other people what can i pass on my knowledge, my lessons, my experience, my, my privilege, if you allow yourself to identify what that is. And yeah. let's empower everybody else. Um, but choose to be powerful. Let's not be the victims. Next time there's injustice, don't let it upset, hurt, anger you. Instead, it's an excuse for you to help everyone get better. Love it. Absolutely love it. Nadia, it's been a pleasure having you in the show. Uh, I've loved it. Yeah, Thank there's you. like so many good insights and like really good food for thought. So everyone, if you're listening, remember to listen to the episode again and just pick one, at least one concept that you like and then put it in practice so that then you can Perfect. really embed this and uh, start making a difference, walking the talk rather than just listening. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Inviting us as in you oh. and the baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Everyone, see you next week and have a lovely day. Speak to you soon. Ciao.